It's finally available. I've been working on a manuscript for the past four years, and it is finally a book I can hold in my hands. It's titled, Is God Disappointed in Me? Removing Shame from a Gospel of Grace. This book has gotten so much attention that it is already a number one Amazon bestseller. I'm beyond amazed. In just a few words, I wrote, Is God Disappointed in Me? for Latter-day Saints who often feel overwhelmed by the gospel and who are constantly worrying if they are doing enough. It's for the Latter-day Saint who have stepped away from the church. It's for the individuals who appear to be living right but still can't find peace and happiness. And frankly, it's for everyone who enjoys listening to the Leading Saints podcast. You will love and cherish this book. Now warning, you might want to consider purchasing multiple copies to share. One bishop who got an advanced copy, read it in one weekend, and then literally purchased 100 additional copies. You can order it on Amazon, the link is in the show notes, or starting in March, you can find it in your local Costco in Idaho, Utah, and Arizona. It's called, Is God Disappointed in Me? And you can order it now. Before we jump into the content of this episode, I kind of feel it's important that I introduce myself. Now, many of you have been around a long time. You're well familiar with my voice and the, with Leading Saints as an organization. But if you're not, well, my name is Kurt Frankham, and I am the executive director of Leading Saints and the podcast host. Now, Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through, well, content creation like this podcast and many other resources at LeadingSaints.org. And uh, we don't act like we have all the answers or uh, know exactly what a leader should do or not do, but we like to explore the concepts of leadership, the science of leadership, what people are researching about leadership, and see how we can apply them to a Latter-day Saint world. So here we go. Today, we're talking with Kevin Jones. How are you, Kevin? I'm fabulous. I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Now, people may not realize this. You have a, a podcast called Teaching Restored, and it was like 15, 20 minutes ago. You just finished interviewing me, and so little do they know the tables are turned here. Uh, That's right. And now I get to you know, fire Maybe questions Maybe we should have done that way. backwards so that... <laughs> So that I could torture you afterwards. Oh, yeah, I see. I yeah. see. Well, uh, and uh, and we'll link to that episode because I think this uh, that one will release before this one. And so if people want to go listen uh, to more of me, <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> but also just get familiar with your podcast. Maybe where did this idea of, of teaching restored come from? So I love, I love teaching overall. I love especially... The gospel of Jesus Christ. I love, love, love teaching. My whole, my whole background is in training organizations. And so I've done it not only professionally, but also within, within the church a ton. Mm -hmm. And I've, I'm always trying to make, improve things, trying to make anything, whatever it is that I'm touching, just improve it. I have this 
I, I'm a little bit too critical in that way of everything that I do. And I want to just improve everything when my wife yeah. sometimes can't stop me. tinkering. Right. That's right. 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 <laughs> Slow down. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. Okay. That's right. So I love, I love teaching and I want to help others be better teachers overall because I've seen yeah. where we can improve a lot. So that's where it really came from. Yeah. And, and then does this tie into what you do professionally or maybe do you do teaching or instructing professionally? I do. I do. Uh, I've been doing teaching. I used to do more consult after I got laid off too many times. I decided, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to do on my own. So I did more consulting. And then the niche that I was in, I was doing more uh, some speaking. And over the years, it's kind of flopped where I do more professional speaking and less mm -hmm. consulting. And so that's, uh, I do a lot of, a lot of speaking. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Now, have you had a lot of callings just in, in your church experience where you've been teaching or? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I've, yeah. And I've loved every bit of it. That's cool. Now you're in the, uh, is, is it safe to say Seattle area or how would you frame it? Yeah, it's, uh, actually I'm outside of just outside of Vancouver, which is just barely North of Portland. So really oh, okay. we're a suburb of Portland. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you've had some teaching callings. Some you've been elder school and president. You're in a bishopric right now. But I mean, that's the thing with with teaching. It's so easy to talk about teaching in the context of leadership because a lot of what leaders do is teach. And so, right. regardless of where you served, you're always probably using a lot of these these tools and, and tactics that, that you Hopefully. talk about. Yeah. And and then so if people subscribe to Teaching Restored, what do they generally? I mean, I know I came on and talked about some teaching principles from my perspective. Is that generally what you do, or on there? Yeah, overall, really, we wanted, um, we recognize that it's not, teaching is not only, you know, a teacher, I'm a Sunday school teacher, or I <laughs> teach the youth, our primary, right? But there's also teaching the gospel as a missionary, or some of the off ones like seminary isn't traditionally thought of, but also as a parent, or just teaching your friend about the gospel. So we talk about all these different types of teachings uh, or how to teach. So there's, you know, come follow me and a whole bunch of other podcasts where they say what to teach. And Julie and I were focused on, well, how do you teach that? What mm -hmm. kind of, what kind of things should you be thinking of? What kind of, uh, and, it, and it isn't always, here's a tactic you can use, put everyone in a circle or yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do talk about things like that, yeah, but also sure. different ways, um, different ways to help everyone become just more used to learning is, is another one, right? Mm. Because we want to help people learn. If we're going to teach, there's no point in teaching if they're not going to learn. So also, how do you help them learn at the same time? It's a subtle difference, but it's actually a big difference. Yeah, that, I, I think that's worth uh, sort of sitting with there because it's it's one thing to teach or and sometimes we we see teaching as almost this, this lecture style and we know we're supposed right. to avoid it, but I'm teaching. So I've got my five points and we'll go through them over the next 45 minutes. And but to, to approach it more of like, uh, no, we're, we want them to learn how to. Uh, how to absorb the information, how to learn rather than just, you know, fire hosing them with information and hoping something sticks. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. How many times have we had our kids at the, you know, the d dinner table on Sundays and how did you, what did you learn today? Oh, uh -huh. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously you were taught something. Don't you remember anything? And, and a lot of times they do learn something great. And we love those times when they take away and they just come back and go, Oh, that was incredible. And it changes them. And that's the kind of stuff that we want to help people create are those changing moments when they teach. Yeah. 
That's powerful. Now, um, as we, so we're going to go through some general sort of teaching principles uh, to maybe help other teachers out there. And these will probably be applicable to whether you're teaching the youth or you're teaching Sunday school, you know, adult Sunday school. Um, and, and is that safe to say? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Now, you've had this emphasis and even from the first time we met, sort of the, you've talked about this emphasis on questions and the power of questions. Um, where, where's, I mean, where would you introduce us to that concept of questions in terms of teaching with questions? So I think that a lot of times we focus when we ask questions, we almost abuse them because we'll ask a question and it's off the top of our head. We don't think about the questions. We, we're very focused on the content. And so we have all these quotes. We have all these scriptures we're going to read and that's great. But the questions that help us dive into them aren't really used or uh, aren't really prepared very well. And so we have hmm. these off the cuff questions. And I've noticed that when we purposefully ask really, really good questions, then everything changes or everything. I'll say everything can change, right? Not mm -hmm. necessarily that the questions are end all be all by any means, but questions can make it. So it takes a, a class who may be just sitting there nodding hope trying not to look at their cell phones to try to be, <laughs> try to be engaged to someone who is leaning forward and saying, wow, okay, where are we going with this? How does this yeah. work? Yeah. And so, uh, and that's the interesting thing, because sometimes I'll be sitting in the class and the teacher will state a question, right? Or ask right. a question. And I'll think, Oof, like not a good question. Like, just because it doesn't give me much to work with or Am I just trying to read your mind or like, why are you asking this question or right? So, I mean, how do we, when we're preparing and we want to be very intentional about questions, like, is there a formula we can follow or how do we know if we have a good question or not? Okay. So I've come up with a kind of a, uh, it, it isn't a, a really linear type of thing, but it parses out questions in different categories. And I just want to kind of go over that a little bit because Actually, let me ask you, okay. when we think of questions, what are the two kinds of questions you've heard about? Um, maybe like a, a yes or no question or okay. yep. a, a question that's maybe more open-ended question. Okay. Is that yeah. Okay. So yeah. We, we always hear about the open-ended questions and the closed-ended questions, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you take a question like, so, and, and we've all, all heard, you should ask open-ended questions. Right, right. Because yeah, they're so much better yeah. than closed, right? We uh -huh. all hear that. And is that really true? I, I don't think it is. Hmm. I don't I'm really, I, I really don't. So, and even then when you ask an open-ended question, if you're to ask a question like, who is Lehi's father? Well, that's not a yes or no question. It's an open-ended question. Compared to when you did this and you feel the spirit, how has that changed your life? Those, those are two completely different questions. Yeah. But they're still open-ended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not all, all open-ended questions aren't the same. Hmm. And, and so don't be afraid of the, the closed-ended questions or whatever we call them. Right, right. Yeah, okay. So let me kind of just real quickly walk you through these different types of questions. The first one is more closely linked to the closed-ended, and that's called the binary. Okay. Binary meaning one or the other. Mm -hmm. Typically, it is, you know, you can think of it as a yes or no question, but you can also think of it as hot or cold, up or down, heaven or hell kind of things mm -hmm. where it's, it's one or the other. Now, a lot of people 
might think that this these kind of questions are really not powerful, but I'll give you a quick example. Um, my wife and I went on a, a tour uh, to Germany with a tour group that Hank Smith led. Oh, and cool. uh, this was a couple of years ago and met so many great people. It was a, it was a fabulous time. And while we were there, he would, he would start the day off in the, in this tour bus and he would uh, do a little devotional. And one time he was talking about how his friends or someone he would, he was talking to would every now and then say something along the lines of, well, you know, the flood, I don't know that the flood could actually happen. You know, maybe it's a <laughs> yeah. local thing. <laughs> And not a not a global thing or Jonah and the whale. Seriously, in the <laughs> belly, I, I don't think that could actually be possible. Uh-huh. And so and he would he answered back with something along of along the lines of. What about the resurrection? Do you believe in the resurrection where he died and came back to life and that we all can do that? Well, 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 yeah, of course. Well, if he can do the most important thing, do you think he can do those things that you might think are not possible as well? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess so. Right. So yeah. that's a yes or no question that could be really powerful. Mm, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's really the, the context you've set it up in, right? That you're sort of guiding them to this question more thoughtfully. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there are really a couple of ways to use binary. Qu- well, more than a couple, but a couple that I'll mention, one is more of a guide uh-huh. um, there. If you think about a lawyer interrogating someone on the stand, they lead them <laughs> often through a series of binary questions to get to a certain point. Mm, now you damn. can do the same thing in a class. Do you believe this? Well, then do you believe this? Well, then what do you think about this? Then, and, and lead them. And then they get to this final point of, Oh, all right. If a equals B then, and B equals C, then A must equal C kind of thing. Yeah. And you can lead them through that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, I mean, there's this framing of it, right? Again, that context of, because in order to teach in a certain, a certain topic, you have to invite them into that context or that framing or else, you know, if, if they don't have the foundation of that framing or if they disagree with the foundation of that framing, then they're not, that those questions won't be helpful or they're not going to learn anything, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. And you can also use it in an anchor way. So we'll get into these other question types of questions, but you can do these deeper questions and then end it with a binary question of, okay, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? And someone kind of bears their testimony. And then you say, so then what about this? Do you believe this? Then the answer is, well, yes. And it kind of finishes almost like a missionary lesson. We teach all these things. We teach all these principles, feel the spirit. and then. Will you be baptized? Hmm. And yes, it, it kind of anchors the whole the whole discussion in in that one. So but close these closed ended or binary questions can be really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That almost like we've arrived somewhere, right? We're we're yes. all here. Yes. 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 We are all here. In, yeah. in all right. What's next? Right. Right. So yeah. that's cool. Uh, what else about uh, as far as the importance of questions that or is there any more of this? Uh, yeah. This rubric. Yeah. So there's there's next comes factual questions and factual just means that there is an answer. <clears throat> okay. There is a correct answer, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And it's. uh for example, um, you may ask, well, let me look at these. What year did Joseph Smith have the first vision? Mm-hmm. 1820. 
Right. There we go. We know the answer. Right. And uh -huh. these are the kind of questions that you don't almost don't want to hear in a classroom because you don't want to answer them because they're so basic. Yeah. Or, or you'll hear the person behind you sort of whisper it. Yeah. If you yeah. hear that. Right. It's like this is so easy. I'm not even going to raise my hand to answer this. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yep. Yep. Don't want to. But you do. What is yeah. the law of tithing? The law of tithing. You know, I, I can yeah. say what what has been written about it and what the Lord yeah, yeah. says. And that's it. Right. Yeah, Factual. Uh -huh. Right. Right. But they, again, they can be very, very powerful. So, um, okay. This is, this, oh, this is such a great example. And I, I love this. And, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but we're just going to go with it. Um, I heard that our stake president uses this question again, whether he does or not, I haven't asked him, but I, uh, if you think of a stake president interviewing a, potential missionary, prospective uh -huh. missionary, they could ask, have you viewed pornography? Uh -huh. That is a binary question. Yes or no. Oh, okay. No, you haven't. Good. Let's move on. <laughs> but you could also ask, the stake president could also ask, when was the last time you viewed pornography? Hmm. Because it is so pervasive that it's right. hard not to ever for pretty much anyone. Not yeah. To, and then you can have a discussion around, well, what is that exactly? Yeah. And what happens if accidentally or what are, or are you, or is it happening and you're choosing that? Yeah. But it sets up, sets it up for a discussion in that perspective. Right. Yeah. And, and it really removes the shame of it. Right. That, yeah. Let's assume, I mean, 2024, come on, like you stumbled yes. across something, whether it's you stumbled across yes. something or you've had a habit with it. Uh, let's just talk about it. So when was the last, you know, or what, you know, when was the last time you saw pornography and, and let's have a discussion, right? If you asked me that in 1991, if I was an adult back then, I'd sort of be offended. Like, wait, wait a minute. Who says I've seen pornography? You, <laughs> you assume know? too much. That's right. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So factuals are pretty much yes or no. Now, at the same time, I could ask you, who is your scripture hero? Mm -hmm. That answer is going to be different for you than for me. And so mm -hmm. that uh, it's still a factual question. Now, the explanatory question is what it kind of sounds like where you have to ask a question or where you ask a question, you have to give an explanation for whatever it is. Like, why do you think Peter denied Jesus three times? Mm. Okay. Well, I'm going to dive into it. And it's still at the head level, though. You're still giving what you know or what you've heard or what you think or your opinion. It's getting a little bit deeper and helping someone dive into more really thought provoking questions and answers. Um, but it's a far cry than just a factual, you know. <laughs> yeah. In, in what book do we learn about uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so we've talked about binary questions, factual questions. Was there another one in, in there? Factual. Then this is the explanatory. Okay. And the so the binary and the factual questions, when we teach, they're easy to ask. Mm -hmm. And so we just do that. Explanatory gets a little bit more difficult. You almost have to plan those out sometimes. And so they're, they're a little bit more impactful, but the, I would say that the most impactful are called introspective questions. And the introspective questions make us answer from our heart. They make mm -hmm. us really dive into how we feel about uh, way, way past our head. And, and really almost, and a lot of times 
and it will actually happen so that when you answer an introspective question, we're almost bearing our testimony. Yeah. We're to that level of how do you feel about this? How do you feel? What do you think about God's love for you? Then we can answer those kind of questions. And it deepens not only when we answer it, we bear our testimony, but it also deepens our conviction of that because we are the ones who are saying it. Mm-hmm. We're, mm-hmm. It's, it's not the teacher telling us. We're the ones who all, all of a sudden are saying this and it's coming out of our mouths. And so it solidifies even more our testimony in that way. Mm, yeah. Um, and this is one thing, actually, this is a, a perspective that Hank Smith uh, taught me in, in when I interviewed him, is that he said he talked about building this, building the silence into your question. Um, because sometimes we ask this introspective question and it's like, we'll ask it. We'll pause maybe five seconds and it's like, oh, nobody sure. wants to answer. Like, move in. No, like, you has, like, I got to sit with that for a minute. You know, like, give me a second to process and then I'll give you an answer. But uh, so, I mean, you almost have to realize you have to build that silence in as you're asking more introspective questions. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. You do, you do have to be okay with the silence. And if yeah. you're not uncomfortable at some point, maybe we're not getting deep enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even just tell them like, hey, you got one, let's take one minute, everybody, or two minutes. And here's this question. Why don't you just sit with it, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. one way to really use this kind of question is when someone gives, you ask a factual or an explanatory question, they do that. Then you dive in with the introspective question Mm. and you do a follow-up question to that. Mm. And and it's, it's a great, especially for youth who will just often give the Sunday school answers and they'll just... You know, I don't want to go any deeper, but this kind of makes them go deeper if they're going to answer the question. Yeah. And then yeah. that's where you have, kind of have to give the space as well, like you're saying, the silence, because they may start thinking about things that they have never considered before. Yeah. Anything else around the, the ex, explanatory so, question? Uh, you talk introspective. Is there other components to that? or With the introspective, you and I have talked about kind of creating a space uh, a safe space uh-huh. right you have to create that space where they want to answer and are okay to answer that mm. um, if you don't have that then no one's going to answer the introspective questions there they you may ask an introspective question but they'll answer it in an explanatory way mm-hmm. so yeah. it's really important to create that space <clears throat> and then the last kind of question is the transformative where, and, and these are more question unicorns where you don't plan them, but they just happened. Let me ask yeah. you, have you ever had a question that has asked that you've been asked that has completely changed your outlook on something or, or and your life maybe even? Hmm. I'm sure I have. I'm trying to think of, of an example, but you know, one of those questions that it like, it, it hits you right you must yeah. be like wait a minute yeah wow that's a that's a you like you've guided me down this path and then you you throw that at me like i gotta i can't just reply i just can't respond that quickly you know i gotta sit with it right yeah yeah th- these kind of questions make a huge impact but it's there you can't really plan them because mm. one person it'll hit another person it's not gonna hit and they'll just go oh that's really nice and, and move on. So yeah. it's more of a, on, on the learner side, whether it's transformative or not. Um, yeah. 
And that's where we'd love to get to. We'd love to get to the t- to the place where when we teach, whether it's our kids or a class, where, we, where we're asking these introspective questions and they're having an experience. They're really understanding, wow, okay, that's how I feel. Oh, I've never thought of that before. I need to go wrestle with that even. And part of the, par- part of the problem of asking introspective questions as we walk down this path here is that the teacher lets go of control of the class. Hmm. And suddenly this becomes more of a shared experience rather than a, I am guiding it and this is what you need to learn. And yeah. here you go. Here's my content for today. Yeah. No, that does. I, I love this component, especially in the context of teaching is that it will like thrust people into their own study. Right. And what, what a great place to end, uh, you know, a, a classroom or an inspire is this, this, a question so powerful that on the drive home, they just can't, they can't get it out of their mind, right? But yes. they, they lay down a bed and like, ah. or the next time they're, they're opening their scriptures, like, okay, I got, I got to dig in more here. Right. And that's, that's a yes. perfect scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. what I hope every time I teach, I hope to leave with something like that. Some kind of question where they need to go. They, the learning continues on beyond what we just discussed, because mm-hmm. if, if we as teachers say, here's the content, there you go. They can walk away and go, go great. I learned that and then stop. And then it has an end. Yeah. But what if we were able to extend that by asking great questions? Like you said, you're driving home or you're at, in bed at night thinking, wow, I really need to figure that out. Yeah. And, but that's hard because you're going to be asking questions that may be a little bit, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word controversial, but not in the con- contemporary text that we think of that Uh context. It's more of a controversial in my mind of what that may be personally to me in, in, in the way I feel and and the logic that I have going around in my brain. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes we're like, uh, I've got, I I pretty much got first Nephi figured out. I mean, I've been through this several times. (laughs) I've heard the lessons and, but for them to be taken on this journey where they, they can't, they're like, wow, like I want to jump back in, you know, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, these are the five question like components or the type of questions, I guess, that a teacher can have in mind. So I'm curious, like a Sunday school teacher is sitting down, you know, they, they've sort of bathed in the, the scriptures of, you know, the reading lesson and, um, and, and, you know, they have maybe a series of questions come to mind. Like how, how, uh, where does the rubber hit the road with this as far as like, how do I, organize this? Is it more of maybe a skill set? I just sort of get the feels. I'm asking questions. I jump to a binary to a, uh, then down to a, you know, explanatory question or how, how how can a, what's the structure of this that a person, a teacher can use when they're teaching a lesson? Good. So typically you start with the binary, you go to the factual, you go to the explanatory and into the introspective. And that's, that's kind of a basic model that just getting used to it, you can start using at, but when you start really diving into it, you start to realize, no, I can jump back and forth between all of them, depending on, you know, okay, do they need to learn more about this topic? Okay. I need to jump back a level and that really, I hate to call them levels because they're really not levels in and of themselves, right? They're just different types. And so, but you can start to jump back and forth between them. Now, there's no one way to do it. I mean, there, there are several ways that you can combine them to do different things um, using different tactics, but that's, uh, it, it, that's kind of on a, after you've 
really dove into questions and really are using questions really, really effectively, then you start to learn some of those strategies. But I would say as kind of a teacher, I would even highly recommend that you build out your content, mm-hmm. write out your questions. And what what I typically do is I almost always just get rid of the content and I've got my questions. Mm. And and I and in the end, what I, the notes that I take with me are maybe a few scriptures and then just questions and, and let it go from there and see where it goes and let go of control, which is kind of maybe really scary for some people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and again, it's important to, to read the content of, of the verses, right? But not so that you can teach it per se, as more as you can recall it, right? And like, oh, that, what you just said there reminds me of something that happened in, you know, Second Nephi, whatever. And, and yeah. then you, you go there, right? Rather than, okay, they ha- everybody has to leave with a, because this is a temptation that you want everybody to leave with clarity of, of whatever the lesson plan was. But like you said, to have them leave with some questions is, is even better, you know? Right. Yeah, if you can read a verse, it's one thing to read a verse and say, this is what we learned. It's another thing to read a verse and say, what did you learn from that? What, what can you share about that? What, do you, what have you learned that someone else in the room hasn't learned? Mm-hmm. And, and do it that way. Yeah. Any, anything else we haven't covered as far as the five types of questions or did we, did we do pretty good there? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll also mention this. It's not only great for teaching, but it's great for leadership as well. Hmm. Asking the right kind of questions. Um, for example, yeah. when you have someone who, let's say you're in a leadership position and you want to fill a calling, someone, someone moved. Okay, great. Now we have an opening in young women's and we need to fill them. What, according to what you've seen, what you've heard, what is the typical question someone might ask? next uh well like when filling the calling yeah or, yeah uh well who doesn't have a calling <laughs> yeah <laughs> right who doesn't have a calling who could we put in here who might yeah. be good yeah what if we change the question something to along the lines of whose life will really be blessed and come closer to jesus christ by fulfilling this responsibility mm-hmm. that is a completely different question And just by asking different questions, we can change the way we lead as well. Stimulates revelation, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, Are you familiar with Liz Wiseman? Do you know who that is? No. Uh, she's, she's a guest on, she's been a guest a couple times on leading saints. She's a author, leadership author who happens to be LDS. She wrote a book called multipliers and she talks about this dynamic of asking questions. She even talked, uh, we'll have to link to it, but she gave a talk at, um, at BYU where she talks about this concept of simply asking questions. So, and she does it in the context of putting your kids to bed at night. Um, and instead of, you know, barking the demands, like I typically do, like brush your teeth, get your pajamas on, right? Like put your toys away. She said, she challenged herself or I think a colleague challenged her that to simply ask questions the whole time. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, what, what do we typically do this time of night? Well, we go to bed, right? What do we do first when we go, you know, and then they sort of are guided down this. And so yeah. I've often proposed, put it out there for like leaders. If, if you're the Bishop, like I challenge you to try and facilitate a ward council meeting where the only rule is you can only ask questions. Right. And, and it's amazing the safety that creates 
it opens up everybody's mind revelation flows people feel like uh, you know you're inviting them into participate rather than just saying yeah i'm i'm calling the shots here <laughs> here we yeah. go you know so it's a powerful concept in, in yeah. those contexts it is it is not not only in teaching but also in leadership you're right if you yeah. can just ask questions and and i would highly recommend that everyone try that it's not easy to do because we want to give direction. We want to give content. We want to say, this is the way it's going to go, but to step back and just ask questions. And then you'll find out, oh my goodness, was that even a good question? That was a pretty poor question. <laughs> and then start to realize <laughs> I need to upgrade my questions a little bit. I need to spend some time and really think about what I'm asking and who I'm asking of it of that can completely change the way we not only teach, but we also lead. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. Um, any other thought, principle, tactic we need to make sure we cover before we wrap up or how do we do? Um, I would just I would just suggest that as people are leading, as people are teaching, that you focus on the question. And one one um, one exercise I do is I will write down a question that I think will be good. And then I reiterate it. Maybe 20 times and say, that's a question, that, that is a question, but is it, a, can I ask a better question? And then yeah. do it again and again. And then when you get to around 10, it starts to get harder, but that's where the really good questions come in and you, and you realize, oh yes, we can do this a lot better than just what's off the top of our heads. Yeah. Go through those questions and it's, and, and the revelation of what you can ask it becomes incredible. It becomes more of a discussion, it becomes deeper all of a sudden when yeah. you ask those questions. That's really helpful. Just that sort of that brainstorming process of, you know, letting it unfold and, and process when it just comes to the questions. Cause questions, I think conceptually, it's like, it's such a basic thing. Like a right. question is a question and, and yeah, you know, Kevin's done a good job with showing different types of questions, but I mean, questions a question, but then sometimes you can just change one word and it's like, Oh, like that, that makes me, intrigue just a little bit more you know and 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 it's almost the questions can almost become magic when you put out a question and and people can't help but but non it for that those 40 50 minutes of the class you know then it goes and leads to more questions and discussion and it's awesome yeah it's awesome. i'll give you i'll give you another example of that you said just change one word how about just change the tone for example oh yeah my wife went to go drop off something to a friend's house years ago and the friend opened up the door and said, hey, Kelly, how are you? She said, great, as, as we always do, right? That's a question that we abuse constantly. How you doing? Great. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, we did it at the beginning of this podcast, right? That's, how you doing? Great. Right. All right, great. And we move on. Do I really care about how you're doing, Kurt? <laughs> I mean, I, I'd like to think so. <laughs> well, yeah, I do. But right then at that moment, that really wasn't a, a question that either of us were really willing to dive in and explore, Yeah. right? Cause we were going to move on and, and yeah. it's, it's kind of how we greet each other and, and there's really nothing wrong with that. But again, at the same time we abuse that. So when my wife answered, I'm doing great. She looked at my wife and said, Kelly, how are you? And mm -hmm. my wife broke down and <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. all of a sudden she was asking the exact same words, but then this time she meant it this time it was no, really how are you? And it allowed my wife time to open up and to explain, this is really hard. This is what's going on. And, and, uh -huh. and we can do the same thing in, as we, you know, 
as leaders, as we counsel with people, a lot of that can happen by asking the right questions when we counsel, when we lead meetings out, really diving in. How many times have we heard? So, uh, Kurt, how was the uh, how was the activity? How was the young men's activity this week? <laughs> oh, it was great. Good. Yeah. And we move on. When actually it wasn't that great, but we we don't know what else to say, maybe. Yeah. My mind just went to the the question here a lot where, you know, obviously in in the come follow me age here, we we want people to bring part of their personal study to the classroom. So you sure. may start a class and saying, All right, how was your come follow me reading this week? Or, you know, any what was your favorite any any highlights you want to share, right? And you sort of throw it out there and see if anybody bites, you know, and it's like Okay, moving on. Let's move on to my lesson plan now. But <laughs> but to maybe just sit with them like, no, like what caught you off guard? Like, or what, what when you were driving around listening to that, uh, you know, that scripture or whatever, like, was there anything that gave you pause, right? And maybe and even asking the same question in different ways, you're just, you're massaging it into the room, right? And and then suddenly people are actually, now that you put it that way, I I thought of something, you know? Yeah. So And, I, and I've, I've done that where... I've had the content in a class, but I come in and I start asking questions like that. And the content is gone because we are talking right. about what they learned yeah. and they share it and they bring out the stuff that I was going to teach anyways. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. It comes out anyways, but it comes from them. And when it comes from them, it becomes so much more powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. Awesome. Kevin, this is, this has been great and really helpful. I think uh, a lot of a lot of uh, teachers, I think, will benefit from these. Just being more aware, right? Just that, that self-awareness of the questions we ask. It, like you said, it can be sort of this uh, this passive thought of, well, yeah, I'm going to ask questions. I don't know what I'm going to ask. I'll figure that out when, when I get there. But to really give space to process the questions you will ask, I think it'll lead to a higher learning experience. So that's awesome. Um, it, if people want to know more about your, your podcast, uh, where would you send them or where, where can they find it? At teachingrestored.com that has, and then on Facebook and YouTube and sure. Instagram and all that good stuff, you know. <laughs> nice. And you have a co-host, Julie, who I've met Julie. does a phenomenal job as well. So she's incredible. Yeah, we have lots of so much fun doing this. That's cool. Awesome. Well, definitely sh people should check it out and we'll link to it and make sure people know exactly where to go. Um, Kevin, the last question I have for you, as you know, uh, as you reflect on your time as a leader, whether it's in the Bishopric, Elder School presidency or being a teacher, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? As I think on the, the times when I've been able to lead, it always comes back to me down to, I wonder how much I led compared to how much they led me. And it becomes a one-on-one -on -one experience for me. Um, when, when I get to work with someone one-on-one, -on -one, it's so very different than all the administrative stuff that we have to do. And it's sad that we have to do the administrative stuff so much, but at the same time, when we get to dive in and do that one-on-one -on -one ministering with people, um, I, I somewhat feel like I am coming to closer to Christ because of that, because I'm also in a way, hopefully helping that person. And at the same time, helping myself come into Christ. So for me, it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one, and I'm still trying to get better at that. There is so much more that I need to do to be better at kind of a one-on-one -on -one 
um, mentality and diving in and forgetting the administrative and focusing on the ministering piece. But really, it's the one-on-one -on -one for me, the experiences that I look back and I remember the most. That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. And remember, grab your copy of my new book, Is God Disappointed in Me, on Amazon or in select Costco stores. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.